Welcome to Warren Radio with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings and welcome to Warren Radio Battle Lines. I am Tower and we are glad you joined us. On Warren Radio Battle Lines broadcast, we feature an in-depth Bible study each week. All correspondence and inquiries of broadcast of the WIBR Warren Radio Network can be sent to us through our contact page on warren-usa.com. Today is Thursday, the 26th day of March, 2020, and the scripture reading this week is Leviticus chapter 1, verses 1 through chapter 6, verse 7. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 21 through chapter 44, 23. And the New Testament portion is Hebrews 10, verses 1 through 18. You can follow the WIBR Warren Radio on Twitter at hashtag WatchmanIS216, hashtag WarrenRadio. On LinkedIn, hashtag Watchman, and Warren Radio Network is available through these following carriers, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, iTunes Player, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Warren Radio Visions on Blog Talk Radio, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Deezer, and Podchaser. Please take time to read the pertinent articles by the Watchman and pass them along to your friends. This week we feature Perilous Times, Right Side of God and History. Perilous Times means survival can be at any cost in America. The good times, free lifestyle, and no such thing as sin clouds And no such thing as sin clouds the understanding of many. Our technology, social sites, and our lifestyle itself, in many cases, are self-centered. American discontent, faith, and fragility. American discontent, fragility, or frailty is instability or weakness. Faith is trust, confidence, and belief. While fragility can confront your faith, Christians are to be overcome through Jesus Christ. So go to warren-usa.com or danaglennsmith.com where you can read the latest articles and also listen to the shows. And now I welcome in the Watchmen. You're listening to Warren Radio on the WIBR Warren Radio Network. Don't forget to visit our websites at warren-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. And also follow us on Twitter, find us on Instagram, and join us on LinkedIn.
Greetings, Dana. How are you doing tonight? Well, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. What's going on? Well, you know, this afternoon I was watching the latest uh, COVID-19 update and uh, a lot of interesting points that uh, were in that. Uh, And there were several uh, large media groups, the fake news as we call them, who didn't show up. As many people know now that a lot of the fake news now won't even cover it. But yet Trump now, when when he has a lot of his stuff, they have lots of people that listen and pay attention to these things. And, uh, you know, CNN can only be envious. Uh, yep, CNN is right. constant, constantly combative. I was reading an article earlier about uh, CNN, one of their gal anchors interviewing somebody from the White House, and she was such so bitchy and over-talked to him, you know, he couldn't get a word in edgewise. That's so rude. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is the way these people are. They're vicious, vindictive, hateful. And uh, it, it, it only, you know, pushes the point. When you have uh, latest polls, 60% support Trump. And even his live broadcast that he does on this thing, uh, you know, from the coronavirus and all that other, you know, it's watched. There's millions that watch this stuff. The That's last good. one they did from the Rose Garden, from Fox News doing it, the, a chat and answer session, uh, it had one of the largest audiences they had ever had. And so, uh, you know, they can only dream to do that. It's just too bad right. that they have to yeah. be so vicious, so vindictive, so hateful. Every time Trump does something, they are quick to criticize. And, it, you know, they, they like to say Trump wasn't prepared. Well, we know very well that in the White House, when it comes down to supplies that the White House and a lot of them had, the Obama administration had actually reduced a lot of that. And uh, even New York City, who got mad at uh, uh, Trump for uh, a number of things, you know, like ventilators, you know, they had uh, rejected getting ventilators. They could have had 16,000 of them, I think uh, Trump was saying, that that they had passed. So there's a lot of this stuff that they're blaming him for that's just ridiculous, especially when uh, January 31st, he... Uh, blocked uh, all traffic coming from China. So, uh, you know, the bottom line of it is, is that uh, that's a tired saying, and it's too bad that the the vindictiveness of the fake media uh, is still there, but it's always going to be there. You know, even in Hollywood, you have people that, that live and die on hatred. And uh, that stupid scene of Madonna sitting in a bathtub moaning on, she's an old lady, and and she's sitting there in a bathtub naked as a jaybird. Of course, you can't see nothing, but it made the rounds on social media. And it is so ridiculous, it prompted even Terrence, uh, uh, you know, to (laughs) do a video. Terrence Williams? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and he was sitting in a bathtub, sitting all dressed, and he had a MAGA hat on, and he was watching it, eating a can of open uh, uh, green beans and sipping on some orange soda of some kind. And by the t- halfway through it, he started bursting into laughing like he does, rolling all over in the water, 
you know, and saying, what are you talking about, girl? You know, I mean, <laughs> she just, it's a pathetic, pathetic, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. And like some people said, you know, I seen a post earlier today that uh, talked about uh, the movie starlets, you know, and the stars. You know, some of them you would know, and they had pictures of them without makeup. And they're doing all their videos now from home because they're all locked in, and they're doing these videos without makeup. And so people were saying, oh, poor, you know, it's just too bad these movie starlets, you know, have to go without makeup. That must be terrible. What about the people around the world? What about the rest of the people that are really, truly suffering? You know, yeah, these people, yeah. you know, think they have a tough living in million dollar houses going without makeup. I mean, you know, the, the absolute hypocrisy and idiocy of what these people do in Hollywood is just only surpassed by the stupid things we see on social media and they're, they're ridiculous things they do it just absolutely astounds me you know when you face a crisis you're broken into these stupid moronic idiotic foolish gestures and it reveals you for what you are it's just sickening here but this is judgment and we were we were talking last week about how israel when they were told to repent went up on the rooftops and partied and say we're going to eat drink for tomorrow we're going to die and and that's, yeah. you know, the way some of these starlets are and some of these other stars that hate Trump so much, they live and die on hatred and they feed their fodder with their hatred and vileness. That's too bad. Yeah, and it is. And you have the fake news is doing it. You have Twitter banning. They banned, uh, who is it, James Wood again. And oh, the fact of it is that one vile SOB who was castigating Melania was spending time now castigating Trump and others and Twitter never took him off. He's still on there for crying out loud. Yeah. And this guy is just a sacky, you know what, you know, I got dung. I pick up every day out here and toss it in the garbage. And you know, that dung makes, uh, you know, more sense than this guy does. I mean, it's just absolutely pathetic. We are nuts in this country, and the people that think they're smart are foolish. Yep, that's very true. Uh, it's just absolutely uh, pathetic. And do I expect it to get any better with these people? No. People go to hell by saying, well, I'm a good man and don't need to repent. Well, I got news for you. There's a lot of good people in hell. And if you think your idol, Hollywood, is going to save your but. You've got another thing coming. You think your gold and silver are going to save you. you got another thing coming. That's right. So tonight we are in Chapter 21. We're going to, I mean, Part 21, and we're no, going to be continuing. 41. Yeah, that's what part I said, 41. 41. And uh, we left off, let me see, up here talking about Shebna. And uh, I'm not going to go back to that. I discussed that quite a bit. He was someone that thought more highly of himself than he should have. He kind of sounds like Hollywood. Yeah. You know, you know, the fact of it is, you know, people say, you know, well, you know, we're going to put off this show for Hollywood. Good. Put it off for good. I'm not going to watch it. Wouldn't watch him anyway. No, no, I ain't going to watch anything. 
if you act like a moron like this, I'm not going to watch any of your stuff. See you later. Matter of fact, you know, um, to be honest with you, a lot of the older movies make more sense than you do today. And I can remember a lot of movie actors that weren't perfect, but they had sense enough not to act like a fool out in public. Yeah. So at any rate, I'm going to start this and we're going to get going. Okay, I'll see you on the other side. Now we're going to be heading into chapter 23 of Isaiah. And, you know, when we look at Isaiah, the thing I like about Isaiah, we, of course, the first portion of the book from chapter one, we discuss judgment. And we're going to get back into various parts of that. And that was judgment on, on Judah and things that were going on at the time. And uh, Isaiah refers back to various uh, times of, uh, for instance, with Hezekiah and uh, Sennacherib. But nevertheless, you know, when we talk about the whole thing, we talk about uh, a particular place known as Phoenicia. Um, and, and it was encompassed all the way along what we call the, the Levant. Now, I used to talk about the Levant many years ago. And Israel is in the Levant. A lot of their territory is in the Levant. And uh, so when we talk of the Levant and we uh, talk about Phoenicia, this is where a lot of these particular uh, judgments are going to be talking about. And among them is Tyre. Tyre, of course, is below Sidon. Tyre and Sidon both, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul and his people uh, were in there preaching the gospel. Um, You know, by the time the early apostles got done, uh, the gospel had pretty much uh, covered that whole region. Uh, in the Levant, along with uh, a number of other places, up into Syria and into Egypt, and a lot, it, it was spread throughout. And at the time, it was spread throughout the known world. Uh, it was spreading so fast. Now, Phoenicia is a maritime supremacy, and the Phoenicians have always known to be very good uh, with their boats and getting around. And of course, we're speaking of an ancient Semitic-speaking civilization and it originated in the levant the area that is encompassing uh lebanon and the coast of syria north palestine the fertile crescent that's up uh, you know in egypt so you take from egypt all the way up uh north of israel proper itself there's a whole area in there called the levant and uh, the Levant, of course, is one of those areas that have been specifically, you know, fought over. And uh, especially now since Israel in the area, the good part of it is, is that uh, Jordan has been pretty much at peace with Israel for a lot of years. Um, and uh, so at any rate, uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, Tyre and Sidon, and it's that coastal area, and that coastal area is is known as uh, the area of the Phoenicia or the Phoenicians. It's an area where they had uh, a very much uh, supremacy. Uh, they would travel the um, Mediterranean, and they would bring goods throughout the whole region, and it was the one reason that uh, Sidon uh, was uh, really became really big, and Tyre also became big, 
And we'll be discussing about a lot of that because this is all going to be an area that uh, Isaiah is going to be covered. And uh, uh, scholars are pretty much agreed on the fact that when we talk about Phoenicia, it was centered on the coastal areas of modern day Lebanon and includes parts of what are now northern Israel and western Syria. Now, when I think of the Levant, I think of the whole area where Israel originally was. But, uh, uh, you know, the bottom line of it is it is in that area. It's along uh, that coastal area. So when we talk about uh, Phoenicia, we talk about a lot of those things. That's where this is. Uh, this thing has taken place at. Now, the colonies, when we talk about uh, Phoenicia, you know, it, it's it's really interesting. Um they went all the way to Carthage in North Africa. They were in the Atlantic Ocean. They were in Spain. They spread across the Mediterranean pretty much from 300 B.C. through, um, I mean, 1500 to 300 B.C., 1500 being late, and then you go forward. So you go to 300 B.C., and then you take off the 300. You got areas, I mean, uh, date zero, and then you move forward to 30 A.D., and then you have, uh, uh, you know, when when we think of Christ uh, being born. Now, Tyre, during the time of David and Solomon, had wanted an alliance with Israel. Uh, and eventually, Tyre was a subject of Assyria. Assyria was warring, of course, Assyria. One of their foremost cities was Nineveh. And later on, of course, um when you do do this and you have different rulers that rule your country, one of the biggest things you do is pay is uh, lay on heavy taxes. And so because of the heavy taxes later on, uh, this little place of Tyre rebelled and they formed confederacy uh, with the Phoenician cities, those that were, had been founded by uh um, the Phoenicians as they gathered, you know, this maritime supremacy. Uh, and uh, But uh, when you talk about Assyria, and we talked about Assyria earlier, and, and there were several rulers that actually covers the time of Israel um, actually going into captivity. But one of them is uh, Shalemaneser IV, who actually subdued every everything there because of the rebellion, and uh, they, he didn't subdue Tyre, and uh, so over time Tyre did eventually uh, submit to Erzhaden, uh king of the Neo-Assyrian Empire. That would be New Assyrian Empire, and so uh, you know Assyria did eventually fall, but uh, um, uh, you know Tyre during the time of Judah's judgment. Uh, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar had uh, invaded, and this is uh, Jeremiah spent decades warning Judah to repent, and they never did. And of course, Jeremiah knew that they weren't going to repent, as Isaiah knew that uh, this people wouldn't listen. I mean, that's really hard when you think when you're um, giving the word of God and you're told right away, well, I want you to do this. How long are you going to do it until the people are removed from their houses? Uh, until the bondage comes, in other words, and they're not going to listen to you, and they're going to hate you, and they're going to uh, come after you, but you're going to win. I'll be with you. Um, and, and of course, uh, the message really, 
you know, like in Jeremiah's time, they just hated his message. They told him to go preach it somewhere else. Those are my words. Um, you know, basically they wanted to listen to good things, not bad things. They didn't like it at all. Uh, so at any rate, Tyre, you know, when this finally happened to Judah, Tyre is one of those that rejoiced. Um, and so if you look in New Testament times, you look at the coast of Israel, you find Gaza, the Gaza Strip, and you go north along the coast of Jerusalem, and you keep going to Caesarea, you will come to Tyre and then to Sidon. And that coast in there is the one we're talking about. And that was full of maritime trade at the time. Now, see, Amos gets in on this, and all I'm telling you here is actually a precursor to the chapter itself to give you a background of what we're dealing with here. Amos 1.9 said, Thus saith the Lord. Now, see, they all get into it. You just don't have Isaiah. You just don't have Jeremiah. But you had a lot of others. Amos was one of them. And, uh, of course, uh, and I don't like the term, by the way, this is off the subject. I don't like the term of major and minor prophets. That's ridiculous. There's prophets. They're the prophets of Israel. Some of them wrote big books. Some of them just had a smaller book. I don't care. They're prophets. Uh, so at any rate, thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of Tyrus and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof because they delivered up the whole captivity to Edom. That's the brother of Jacob. It was located in Idumea and remembered not the brotherly covenant. And, of course, when we talk about the kingdom of Edom or Idumea, uh, it had Petra with uh, Judah to the north, and it is located in modern-day uh, southwestern uh, Jordan and southern Israel. So you take southern Israel and you see um, uh, southwestern Jordan, they kind of come together. And of course, you have that. Petra is well known to this day. A lot of people connected to prophecy. Um, I, uh, Amos 1 10 through 15, uh, this is what the prophet uh, uh, said. He said, Behold, or but I will send a fire on the wall of Tyrus, which shall devour uh, the palaces thereof. Now, see, none of this sounds very good. <laughs> if you thought the judgments, uh, you know, that Isaiah and these others spoke just had to do with uh, Israel, you're wrong. Uh, you know, and I've said this before, you know, if you were uh, someone outside of, of Israel, uh, one of these Gentile nations, you knew of the prophets of Israel. Uh, you knew uh, what happened to uh, Egypt when they wouldn't let the people go. They knew uh, of what their forebears had told them about the Red Sea. They knew all of it, and they knew what happened when Israel and uh, led by uh, Joshua, and of course Caleb was there. He was an older man by then, but he conquered too. And they even ran the giants out, the Nephilim. Uh, these were the descendants of them. But many people believe that those uh, Nephilim actually went to the Americas crossing uh, the land bridge that connected the continents at uh, that time so long ago. So at any rate, so for three transgressions of Edom and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof because he did pursue his brother with the sword and did cast off all pity, and his anger did tear perpetually, and he kept his wrath forever. Now, remember, Tyre had made a, a, a covenant. You know, he submitted. They submitted to Ershaddon. 
which was the uh, the Assyrian. Uh, he, you know, they fought uh, Shalmaneser, uh, but e- eventually, um, you know, they were all at one time subject to Assyria, and then they broke away, and then they came back and decided to become part of them. So um, it was the time that you have Babylon then coming into power and Babylon of course was the power. And, uh, and of course you have this, uh, kingdom that had subjected or become a friend to one. So they just, uh, decided that they would uh, join with, uh, um, somebody else and, uh, go against, uh, Judah because, uh, that's, what they were going to do. They were going after Judah and uh, because he did pursue his brother with the sword and did cast off all pity and his anger did tear perpetually and he kept his wrath forever. And further, the prophet said, behold, I will send a fire on Teman, which shall devour the palaces of Bozrah. Thus saith the Lord for three transgression of the children of Ammon and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof. Because they have ripped up the women with with the child of Gilead, that they might enlarge their border. I will kinder a fire in the wall of Rabbah, and it shall devour the palaces thereof with the shouting in the day of battle, with the tempest in the day of the whirlwind, and their kings shall go into captivity and the princes together. Now, I'm not going into detail there, because this is just to help explain to you, uh, you know, uh, judgment on, on Tyre. Uh, because this is the problem. And when they had invaded, it said uh, they ripped up the women with child. So if you were pregnant, they would simply slice across the gut and kill both the woman and the child, a horrific thing. But this is not new in warfare. This was this was common in real vicious warfare in order to kill the next generation. And that was why they were doing it. Now, they would have taken the single women that weren't with child, and they would have taken the young men, and they would all become laborers and slaves. But uh, if if you were married, if you were somebody, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, even old, they would have killed you. And so that brought a horrendous judgment. And so this is why we're talking about a judgment, because of what happened. So by the time you get to Isaiah 23.1, which is the beginning, you get an understanding that Tyre, why is the prophet picking on Tyre? The prophet isn't picking on Tyre. The prophet is telling Tyre what's going to happen because of what they did. And, uh, you know, the old old adage is whatever you, well, actually, it's the word of God. Whatsoever you sow, so shall you reap. You know, the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. You know, you don't do unto others by killing their women and their children. And then expect everything to be fine, not with the God of the universe around and the people you're doing it to happens to be his chosen people. That doesn't work out too well. So the burden of uh, Tyre, howl, he says, well, they're going to howl. You know, and, and it's just, you know, for us in the modern world, it's hard for us to see this kind of judgment. And it says, ye ships of Tarshish, for it is laid waste. Now, the vision, of course, is seen by the prophet, sees complete destruction. And uh, he goes on to say, so the ships of Tarshish look, and uh, you can see that what was there is laid waste. There's no house. Uh, what happened? Did a bomb go off? You know, a nuclear weapon? Well, you know, in our modern age, uh, 
when we discuss war, um, thank God we haven't had a war where we have nuclear uh, capabilities used like we did in World War II. Uh, because if that were the case, uh, we would see uh, just burned out holes where uh, civilization was. We have the capability of destroying the planet, you know, the civilization. Now, Peter warns that the earth will be burned in fire. And he ends it by saying, is seeing that the earth is uh, going to be consumed in fire, you need to think about what manner of people you are, your manner of conversation, he says, that is your lifestyle, how you live for the Lord or not. Uh, so it says that it says how you ships of Tarshish for its laid ways. Now, if you're out in the Mediterranean, you're looking in and you come into port, there's no houses there. There's a port, but there's no houses. There's nothing there. It's gone. No entering in. Um uh, from the land of Chittim, uh, this is an unused name. It denotes Cyprus, and you know Cyprus well. And, uh, of course, we know it as the island of Cyprus, but at that time it was generally referring to an islander, someone that lived on the islands. Uh, the Hebrews themselves considered all the islands that, that you would look at in the Mediterranean by the name of Cyprus, meaning an islander. And so when we talk about the ships of Tarshish, these are ships that sail to uh, Tartessus. That's the south coast of Spain. They had heard of the fate of Tyre, and Tyre was to be laid waste. And so it, it, it's interesting when you see that here they are, clear across over in Spain, and they sail across the Mediterranean to get to the Levant or to the Phoenician coast over there. And uh, what happens? They had heard already that it was laid waste. Now, see, this is what the prophet sees. And this is an amazing thing when you think that, hey, they didn't have phones. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have uh, any uh, Internet. They, they didn't have satellites. They had heard it word of mouth. Some ships sailed in and uh, took up port over in Spain and... Of course, uh, Tardesus is where they'd get all the goods from, and they're actually they're the ones that birthed a lot of these uh, um, particular ones. They made them big because of all the various uh, products they had. So there was a lot of trade going on. There was a lot of money to be made on that coast. Now, in the New Testament, when we talk about Tyre, this is interesting, too, to put it in more perspective. And, you know, there's so much history there. You go back in America's history, we got native culture. But you get over in Europe, you get over in the Mediterranean, you get over in Russia, you get over in China, you get over in the Far East, you even get down into Africa, and you see that the known world had congregated on that side. We didn't know much about South America until... Uh, a lot of the Spaniards started, uh, the conquistadores, uh, you know, would go through the area later. Uh, we didn't know anything about uh, North America until it started being inhabited. We knew that uh, clear up, uh, up in the UK and over in Scotland and Ireland, we knew there was people that were there. We knew there was people uh, over in the far coast, over in Iceland. 
They had gone down the bay a little bit to Newfoundland, but nobody really did much. There was a, a Viking, I forgot his name, that did go uh, stop by the coast there. But, uh, y- you know, nobody knew about that. So it's interesting that everything is focused over here on this side of the world. And today we look and what do we focus on most? Where are the problems? It's in the Middle East. It's on that side of the world. Where are, are a lot of the persecutions of Christians going on that side of the world? We find it uh, throughout, you know, not only in China, not only in North Korea, uh, but we find it in Nigeria and in Kenya. We find it in Burkina Faso. Uh, we find it <clears throat> in a lot of places throughout Africa. We see it in Lebanon. Uh, we see it in Libya. We see it in Syria and Iraq and Iran and on and on. That's where the problems are. So guess what? We're talking about this judgment. Where is it located? Over there. <laughs> We're not talking about it in South America. We're not talking about it here. The Bible is written over there. It's centered over there. The history is over there. And and it's and it's a fascinating thing. So even when we talk about, for instance, uh, where is the Garden of Eden? Well, the Garden of Eden we can't see anymore, but uh, many people have placed the origin of civilization over there in Iraq, uh, in, in parts of Iraq, um, in that whole area, because it was all together, um, uh, especially where, where Abraham come from. And they have the birthplace of civilization. And so all these things are just have historic, historic value. And... Uh, so here you have ships that are coming over here all the way from Spain, and you see all this destruction. They have heard about it. So now you focus, and the time of the New Testament now is many years into the future. And in this place, it's rebuilt. In this place in the New Testament, Paul visits um, Christ uh, you know the Lord visited its territory in Matthew 15 21 and Mark 7 24 those are complementary verses and people came there to hear him in Luke 6 uh, 17 uh, Herod Agrippa had trouble with Tyre and a representative uh, somebody of authority came to visit him at Caesarea uh, Paul visited Tyre on his journey from Asia to Jerusalem in Acts 21. Now, history records that Christianity was accepted by the people of Tyre in the second century. But the problem of it is, is that just because they accepted it, uh, you know, a few years later or, you know, three generations later, it can totally disappear. Um, and even in the time of Solomon, you know, uh, Solomon worked to get uh, cedars of Lebanon and various other uh, things for the temple uh, all along that whole area uh, in the Levant. So all of the goods, all of the things that were coming in from Spain and all the all the trade of Mediterranean was very important to Solomon as well. And in the time of the New Testament, that trade in Mediterranean and the ability, that that lane actually got Paul all the way from Israel to Rome. 
And so it's important to understood, understand that during the time of the Romans, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Roman Empire and their rule, they had government, they had roads, they had transportation, they had the army to keep it safe. But as you follow this over the course of, uh, we're talking a long time, uh, Rome eventually split into two and eventually it fell. And towards the end of Rome, uh, they had trouble trying to pass laws. They couldn't uh, keep the pagans out of their country. They couldn't even protect Rome. It got pillaged uh, numerous times. Uh, and so when we see the end of a, uh, of a particular country, it's not unusual to see it unable to make laws. The people there, um, you know, constantly bickering and fighting and always wanting their own way. Instead of seeing the good of the country, they, uh, they've lost it. And so uh, we see a lot of these lessons when we go through this. For America and for the modern world, if you think America and the modern world is is uh, um, immune to being extinct, then you you've got another thing coming. That's not at all the case. Many of these nations in the in Scripture that we talked about at the time of their day was the top of the nations. They had the most advanced weaponry. They had the biggest armies. They had uh, their economies were doing good because a lot of people did business with them because they were big and and these conquerors knew that. So while they wanted to conquer, they didn't want to kill and slaughter everybody. They wanted to put everybody under. They wanted the money. They wanted the trade. They wanted people to submit. And so um, that's important to understand. You know, we have a lot of people that are always talking about the destruction of the world. And and we do see what prophecy shows us from Revelation. But, uh, you know, um, there's a lot of things. Uh, China, for instance, uh, had a lot more inroads and had a lot more success by joining with America in trade and becoming rich through our American uh, way of uh, economics, say, an, ec- an, an, an economics that China doesn't even use. As we move forward in, in verse two, it says, be still, you inhabitants of the isle. And of course, uh, they're again referring here uh, Tyre, and Tyre, of course, is a colony of Sidon, which was up the coast from them. Uh, but when you look at both of them, they consider them the Phoenicians. And this whole region, again, is known as the Phoenician coast. Uh, that and, and, and this is thou whom the merchants of Sidon, that's Sidon, uh, pass over the sea and have replenished. And so who have replenished who? Well, the Phoenicians, those who have that, the merchants of Sidon are replenished by those who pass over the sea coming from uh, across the way. And, of course, in the time of Isaiah, uh, when he wrote this, um, you have over in Spain where they came from, but this all grew. It just wasn't Spain. You would have had people trading, uh, not just from Spain, but all along from Spain uh, to Italy, to Greece, uh, even Turkey, uh, Macedonia, you know, all these areas. All of them would have had ships coming and going. So it was really an active place uh, in the time of the New Testament, in the time of the Old Testament. They had a lot of trade going on then. So Isaiah is pinpointing exactly where this um, 
this place, uh, this judgment is. And, um, you know, the overall thing, when we say you inhabitants of the aisle, you can refer to that as being Tyre, but actually it's referred to you, referring to the whole area, that maritime region, the coast, the Phoenician coast, as it's called, because when Nebuchadnezzar came through, he, he destroyed it. He came in and, uh, and destroyed the whole thing. Well, later on, Tyre was rebuilt or erected. The new Tyre, as it was known, was erected on an island. Uh, so this tells you that when, of course, Nebuchadnezzar, by the time he got to Judah, uh, you know, he had already had a lot of successes. I mean, uh, that was a powerful machine and uh, wasn't afraid to take uh take people captive. I mean, there's a lot of power, but then you move ahead 70 years, uh, what I would call a generation. And, uh, it was Persian, uh, Cyrus, uh, which was very, very uh, well adaptive. He's known well in history and, uh, especially for his laws that he made, uh, some of which, uh, he, he's got a whole, it was known as a, a wheel and, a, um, and it was a round wheel. And this is where they had put all of his laws on. And there is a monument in Iran uh, that is known to that. And if you look online, you can see Cyrus. This thing is dedicated to it. Uh, Cyrus even came into the news uh, quite a number of years ago when the Ayatollah talked about saying Iran didn't hate the Jews um, because it was Cyrus, their own king, who actually freed the Jews. So it's kind of a weird thing that they're talking about uh, destroying Israel. And mentioned in Cyrus, because Cyrus wasn't going to destroy Israel. He was rescuing them from Babylon. So this is the history that you're dealing with here. And uh, so when you look at that, the inhabitants of Sidon and Arvad were thy mariners. That's Ezekiel 27, 9 through 23. This is Alfred Barnes, Albert Barnes, who talks about this particular section. And he goes on to say, Tyre is represented here as having been filled with shipbuilders, merchants, mariners, soldiers uh, from Gabal, Persia, Lud, Put, Tarshish, Javon, Tubal, uh, Meshach, Deden, Syria, Damascus, Arabia. In other words, you could pretty much go all the way around. Uh, and, of course, this would have been normal because today it's normal. I mean, ships are all over the Mediterranean, and they're all over... Uh, Egypt. Uh, and so all of this is really, really interesting how this works. And even when you talk about Mystery Babylon today, and even if you thought America was a Mystery Babylon, religion, uh, when she was destroyed, it was evident that uh, she had one of the greatest economies on the face of this earth. What does that sound like? Yeah. Uh, you, you see, because when you look at it, Mystery Babylon is propelled by the same thing that made the other big nations great. They had an army. They were built to utilize it. And they got rich. They kept an economy going. They didn't kill their, the ones they oppressed. They took some taxes off them, but most of them, even the Romans did this. They utilized them. They said, as long as you don't try to overthrow us, you know, and you follow the system, you're going to do good here. And Paul was a Roman citizen, and and he was born that way, and and he was a Jew, you see. And, and so there's a lot of things that's misdirected about the Roman Empire when you look at them. 
but Rome fell from within because of its sin and debauchery and its pride and divisions. And so whenever you say that a nation can't fall, that's dumb. It's stupid. A nation can always fall. But see, in the modern world that we live in, full of modern technology, see, we think we're above that. But I guarantee you, as you listen to me and this broadcast, I'm telling you that this God that I serve can bring any nation down. And if you think that you're too proud and you're too powerful, you better get out of that country because you're prime. Yeah. And you just look at what happens over this uh, coronavirus. You know, people in America are just afraid. In our town, they're, they're fearful. Um, and even this time, you know, when it first really hit in this area, uh, you know, the stores uh, shelves were gone. We had stuff, so we weren't looking, but we were in the stores to see and try and pick up some things for some other people. But, you know, even today, things are still empty. And there's not a shortage of these things. People are just buying them out. Now, see, now we got the news that Walmart and Amazon both, along with a lot of other companies, are hiring all the people they can find. Why? Because they need people to stock the goods. They need people to help. These are temporary positions because while there's a great unemployment here because of this virus, what do you have? You have job opportunities because people can't keep the the shelves stocked. This is judgment, folks. Plain and simple. And when I go through here and talk to you about tire, you need to look in the mirror and you need to say, well, am I right with God? Have I done everything I needed to do? Have I got my heart right? Have I repented? What have I done? That's why James says, go to now, you rich men, weep and howl. Why does he say that? Because he knows they're not going to repent. They've got riches. They don't think it's going to bother them, just like Hollywood and a lot of the others. They don't think it's going to bother them. they got money. Soros doesn't think it's ever going to bother them. A lot of these billionaires, they're immune, they think. They're not immune, I'm telling you. Your riches are not going to protect you. That's the lesson from Isaiah. And as Isaiah goes through this, he leads you to one of the greatest events and that is the Messiah. And he talks about so many things that you and I as believers living in the new covenant know about. There is going to be a kingdom. There's going to be an after the great tribulation time, folks. We focus on the tribulation. We focus on the judgments. It's not about that. It's about the Christ who is revealed and his kingdom that is coming. And Isaiah knew about this Christ. He knew about him. And so we're talking about this preliminary, Isaiah 23.3. And by the, great, by the great waters, the seed of Sihor, that is the Nile, the Nile is one of those things, and when you talk about water, water is life. Water provides nurture for your plants, for your animals, for your fish, and all the crops in the sea, for your people. 
it's it's the source that ships come in and give you goods from other countries that you can't get in your own. But you see, Egypt took her goods to Tyre. And she would have taken them to Tyre. But she would have taken them to other places. See, we talk about in, in America, especially during this coronavirus, there was an article and they were talking about the truckers who, who were risking everything to get, you know, uh, the goods to and from, you know, uh, the warehouses and to keep your restaurants and your grocery stores and everything stocked. That's true. But see, we were told to socially distance ourselves. There's no greater social distance than being a trucker. You're by yourself for hours on end. You're not going to get infected. So when you do deliver it, you stay away from the people. You monitor it. You wash your hands. You're careful. Sihor here, referring to the Nile, meaning black, because and we we have this here because we've got mountains and when you get a lot of lot of rain a lot of snow and it begins to melt up in the high country it fills our rivers up and it just fills it with uh, all kinds of dirt it is just dark and muddy now over in the nile there is um other colors. This sihor means black. So the Nile, because of the sludge and the slime, comes down at, at time. You know, it, it becomes that way, black looking. But because it brings so many nutrients with it, Egypt and the Fertile Crescent—that's why it's called that, where where the Nile is—can uh, grow a lot of stuff. And the Greeks called uh, the Nile Milas, meaning black. So it's, it's interesting when you think about this. You know, we, we get that, and uh, we have a lot of this stuff flowing, and it brings a lot of stuff down the river. We like it when it clears up and gets lower, because then we can go fishing and boating and every other thing. In Isaiah 23, 4, it says, oh, uh, be thou ashamed, O Zidon. It's, it's a Z, but it's, I, I look at it as Sidon, um, uh, which is the name of the son of Canaan and of a place in Palestine. And then we're talking about Palestine, Sidon. But there's a, uh, you know, when you look at that, uh, these names have double duty. Sometimes it's a name of somebody. <clears throat> For the sea hath spoken. And, of course, as I said, Tyre being destroyed, it was rebuilt on a rock, and it was some distance from land, and it looked like it rose out of the sea. So um, it was kind of, I guess you could say, neat looking. And uh, many of the people uh, described her as being a product of the sea or the sea speaks by her because she was so prominent. It was like a jewel just out in the middle of the ocean. Uh, and even the strength of the sea is what uh, Isaiah says, be thou ashamed, O Zidon, even the strength of the sea. Um, and, of course, being on an island, 
and I've seen pictures of this particular place, but at any rate, um, it was regarded uh, as a strong place. Uh, it was known as the defense of the Mediterranean. It didn't cover all the Mediterranean, but it was there and it was strong. And of course, um, people regarded it as that. And Isaiah is just saying that your strength is not going to save you. It says, I travail not, nor bring forth children, nor do I nourish up young men or bring up virgins. Now, see, the language here from Isaiah reveals the destruction. See, because before the destruction, they were prosperous and wealthy and had a lot of resources. The economy was great. Now, you know, the economy in America has pretty much gone down the tubes, a lot of unemployment. Why? Because of the coronavirus. We get rid of the coronavirus, get people back to work, the economy is going to go up. But see, it's a funny thing about destruction. When you destroy everything, guess what? There's no prosperity. Go figure, right? There's no wealth. The resources are gone. There's no economy. And and there's another thing. We call them the young lions. Scripture refers to them as the young lions. These are the usually the young, strong warriors that make up uh, many of these uh, armies that these people have or the ship workers and things, Uh, you know, everything's gone. There's no opportunities. There's no nothing. Um, And, of course, we, we see an example here. It goes to Nineveh. You think of Nineveh. You think of Babylon. You even think of the future mystery Babylon. Uh, And, of course, um, through these particular, and I call them nation states, Nineveh and Babylon. Now, see, mystery Babylon is not called Babylon in the New Testament. It's called mystery because it's a mystery. It's, It's different than Babylon, but it's based with the same spirit. But you could say it is... Uh, a multiplication of the old Babylon. It has a lot more to it. Uh, and so Nineveh, okay, the entire world prospered by her. They had a lot of uh, a lot of people coming and going doing business with them. Babylon was the same. Mystery Babylon we know. Uh, the picture in Isaiah 18, that people stand afar off. There are people that were made rich by Mystery Babylon. God is judging Mystery Babylon. But see, people ignore it because they're getting rich by it. And Mystery Babylon, along with the whore that is, that is riding on the beast, is going to be judged. And they're going to be judged because of the blood of all those that were killed in the earth because of her. Now, see, the people that are doing business with them don't seem to mind because it's about living. And they think of reasons why we can continue to do it. But see, we can find the spirit of Babylon entrenched in many nations, not just America. It's entrenched out uh, throughout the UK and throughout uh, the EU. It's it's even in the Middle East. And so this particular judgment, she sat as a mistress of the maritime trading in the world uh, and also by land. She was on the coast, so everybody inland would come to her and uh, Sidon as well. Uh, because she was just like her offspring, Tyre. She she had, uh, she, you know, she actually, uh, Tyre got founded because of the overflow coming from Sidon. 
They need to have, to have another port to deal with all the wealth and prosperity in the trade. I mean, these were important seaports. And uh, so Sidon would know and feel this destruction and be bright lo- uh, brought low. I mean, it's just, I mean, these are devastating when you think about it. And, uh, you know, you look today, and a lot of times we are so hidden, uh, you know, because of our technologies, we think that, you know, everything's going to be fine. And, of course, we want it to be fine. Nobody wants to get bad. I mean, you'd be a knucklehead to want it to say, well, oh, boy, I can't wait for judgment. I've been warning about judgment for over, uh, well, a long time. The first time I talked about judgment was back in 1973 sometime with my wife about what was coming to America. Uh, it was it was in there, but it's been a long time, and a lot of times during that time. I don't look for judgment. None of us who, who warned. You know, we'd love nothing better than to have everybody repent and not have to worry about this and could live the rest of our lives in peace, not worry about our children or grandchildren or great-great-grandchildren. But the bottom line of it is, is judgment is coming. And part of the judgment reminder is this coronavirus on the world. But see, God is in charge. You don't need to be afraid because God makes a way. Look to him. Father, thank you for your word. Bless those that hear this. Whenever they hear this, give them understanding. And in Jesus' name, I bind you, Satan, and the powers of darkness from the preaching, teaching, streaming, and receiving of this word. In Jesus' name. Okay, Tower. And don't. We can't hear you. <laughs> can you hear Are me? You th- I can. Oh, good. Well, we're going to have to get out of here. We don't have much time. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We love you. We appreciate you. Be careful and stay healthy. May God richly bless you in all that you do. And be sure to listen to Sound the Shofar tomorrow. The watchman will be here. Good night, well, folks, everybody. we got to go. Don't forget, drop by our websites, warn-usa.com, danaglinsmith.com. We'll see you next time. Shalom, everybody. Good night. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warn Radio.